Hey everybody, this is Kimia. And I'm Sean. And you're listening to Content and Coffee. Hey everybody, this is episode seven of Content and Coffee. I'm here with Sean, obviously, and today we are going to be talking about which one is better, a co-founder or being a solo founder. And we're going to dive into the pros and cons of each. And the way it turns out is being a the pros of being a co-founder are sort of the cons of being a solo founder and vice versa. So we're going to we're going to talk about that. So, you know, Sean, obviously you're a you're a solo founder. You've had a lot of experience around that. Why don't you why don't you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So, I'll jump right in here and tell the listeners a little bit about my journey. So, I actually kind of have an interesting perspective on it because for the first 3 months of my business, I was in a co-founder situation and then for the latter year and a half or the most recent year and a half, I've been a solo operator of the business. Um, so basically, first of all, the reason I enjoyed being a co-founder very much and I enjoy being a solo founder very much, the reason that my business partner left the business was nothing to do with um, the fact that we were not working well together. We actually worked great together. He just had another great, really great opportunity cross his path. So I have the interesting dichotomy of seeing both sides. And one of the things I did notice that improved right away when I went from a co-founder to a solo founder situation was the decision-making got way faster. I mean, two, three, four times as fast. Because what I realized is that when I was with a co-founder, every business decision needed to be discussed. And having two intelligent people with different backgrounds, you're oftentimes going to have different opinions on where to go. And these discussions can definitely be productive, but they also take a ton of time. So what I found is that when I was just a solo operator, that decision-making time was taken out of the out of the fold, and a lot of things were just made almost instantaneously by me saying, hey, this is the way we should go. This is what we're going to do. So I have so, a question to jump in really quick. Go ahead. Do you, do you find that so a little bit of a background for the listeners as well is I've, you know, I've started three companies, Ghost of being the third, and I've been a co-founder throughout my entire journey. And we'll get into the reasons why in a little bit. But what I want to ask you is, do you find your velocity of decision making has ever resulted in a bad decision? Or do you think it's better to just make a decision and move quickly, you know, the Facebook mantra, move fast and break things? Or do you mm-hmm. think there's been any detriment to that? Yeah, that's a great question. And one of my favorite quotes that is surrounds the topic you're bringing up is that oftentimes the cost of indecision is greater than the cost of the wrong decision. That's a great quote. And I like this that, is yeah. a, a core, probably a core value of my business philosophy. So in general, I believe you want to make quick decisions and have some of them turn out wrong, then be indecisive. So to answer your question, yes, absolutely. There's been, there has been decisions where I made the wrong choice. And if I had had someone to bounce ideas off that I might have not made that wrong choice. Um, so that definitely is a cost, but there's also the benefit where the majority of the decisions, I made the right choice and I made it very quickly and didn't use up a lot of energy in making the decision. So the answer is yes, definitely. But oftentimes that's, you know, the cost of that is uh, less than just the cost of being able to make most decisions quickly. Mm-hmm. Have a good Absol- right way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I think you, I think you touch on something really interesting where is your, your net benefit decision making is, is greater than your net loss because you're moving faster. You can do so much more. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I mean, it does depend like, it depends on the relationship between you and the co-founder. It depends on your personality style. There are co-founder situations where, as a team, people make really quick decisions. But, 
in my experience, one of the pros of being a solo founder is that fast decision making. And also leading into the next point would be just a very, the clarity of direction that this is, this is what we're going. And, you know, you're the captain of your own ship and you can decide exactly where you're going, how to get there and be very clear in that direction. So for me, those are the big benefits of being a solo founder. And I've only talked about the pros for being a, you know, uh, owning your, not having a business partner. There's also tons of cons to being a solo operator and tons of really great things that happen when you have a co-founder. And I could talk a lot about that as well, because I actually had a great experience with my co-founder. But because you have more co-founder experience, why don't I let you delve into some of the positive points there? Yeah, absolutely. And and while I go through my points, you know, feel free to jump in and, and kind of impart some wisdom as, as well, because you've been in both situations, so I think it'd be really valuable. Um, it turns out that the cons of being a solo founder are the pros of being a co-founder. And the big one for me in you know my entrepreneurship journey is having the support of someone else who shares you know is vested in the success you both are on the same team you both want your company to win you both want to you know change the industry make a ton of money whatever your goal is you have because essentially when you're a co-founder of a company you're married to that person and i i say that with every intention and you know it's an overused trope but it's true because it matters so much so much who you're getting to, into bed with in your company. And so to have someone who shares your vision, shares your goal, and who's supporting you, and to know that you're not alone in the journey can be really, really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can also, you can also bounce ideas off each other. And this, you know, this might touch back onto what you were saying, was your velocity of decision-making will slow, but it's to have a sounding board to think through some problems is really, really nice. And you also have a lot of resource support in terms of that as well. So, you know, if you're bootstrapping the company like Ghostit did, uh, having, the, having the dollar support is really nice. So instead of us going to seek outside funding, we've just invested all of our profits back into the company. And, you know, our, our initial seed capital is, is what, what got, uh, got us off the ground. But not just resource support in terms of dollars, but also mental bandwidth. So I can now cover more ground because I have a co-founder who can do some of the things that I don't or can't want, or <clears throat> that I uh, can't or don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And so let's be ask a quick quick question mm-hmm. there. Um, I think that yeah, if you can segregate the duties between you and your co-founder, then that's very Huge. efficient. Absolutely. So when I was with my co-founder, we did oftentimes we were kind of doing the same things. So that maybe was an inefficient system. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can actually segregate different parts of the business where you're in charge of this aspect and your co-founders in charge of that aspect, then I can see how that would actually greatly increase efficiency. And maybe do want to talk about how you've been able to achieve that? Yeah, absolutely. So in Ghostit, it's you know myself and Ruhul, obviously. And, and um, what, what our roles kind of break, obviously there's so much overlap in what we do every day, right? Like managing the team is, is definitely a shared duty. Um, you know, the day-to-day finances, that kind of thing. Sales is also something we share. But what we've, what we've done is I've taken the lead on the product. So what we build, why we build it, how do the users interact with the product, uh, the marketing. I also handle all that. I handle all of our content marketing. And Rahul mm-hmm. manages the client side of things, so the, the internal operations. So making sure all the content's good, you know, interfacing with our content coordinators, making sure that all that's, you know, tight-knit. And so our customer success is really up. So Because... If we have one side but not the other, like if the product sucks and I'm not doing my job and the content's really good, we don't grow, right? Because we're having, the customers are having a really bad experience. But if the, if the product is awesome and we're growing, 
but our content sucks and our operations are failing internally, that's also bad and we can't grow, right? So both of those have to be on really tight lock. And we, we've done a really good job of kind of intuiting what the other needs from us and what we need to build out. So I'll give you, I'll give you a specific example is, you know, Rahul, Rahul just, uh, we just onboarded another editor. And so what that does is that reduces the workload from our current content coordinator to free her up to do you know, more of what she needs to do. And what I've been doing is because site structure of some of our customers is really bad, I've been building out these lead capture widgets that's going to go at the bottom of every blog post. If we were both on editing or if we were both on content coordination or, or managing that specific bit, I wouldn't have the opportunity to build those lead capture boxes to improve the experience on the reader's end, which then improves the results from our, uh, from our customer. So that's, that's one example. Um, it, basically awesome. what it boils down to is it's just easier to get things done when you have two people, I find. It, it really is, unless you can hire a team. But having, having that resource there that you know you can trust is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say it's, yeah, it's easier to get things done when you're able to properly delegate and segregate the duties and give like each piece each co-founder a like set of responsibilities they look after. And you have to be um, transparent with it too. Like mm-hmm. if if each of you don't know what's going on, that is a recipe for disaster. Cuz that is horrible. Mhm. Um definitely. One, so Yeah, sorry, go um, ahead. Yeah, I'll jump in quickly and talk about from my the biggest thing I miss comparing now to the time in which I had a business partner was just the the way that that other person acted as an accountability partner just for simple things like we'd share an office showing up at a certain time each morning and working until a certain time just that aspect of morale and accountability was huge I can and definitely second see of that. all it's honestly way less lonely in the beginning to have a business partner because in at the beginning stages of a business especially when you don't have uh, a team or staff and it's just yourself that's uh that's kind of a lonely process to go through so in terms of morale and day-to-day enjoyment it's much uh that part is much more enjoyable with a business partner, I think. That's a that's a really really good point because part of the part of the fun, because you know at the end of the day, why do we do this? Is to have fun and change the world and totally. and make money, obviously. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, like part of part of the fun of of doing what we're doing is sharing your success with other people and being mm-hmm. like, man, like I just closed this huge account. Like we're, we like we have a like a massive client coming on board, or like check out this awesome product feature that we're launching. Like, aren't you stoked for this? Like, I know I'm stoked for this, so I know you have to be because we're both co-founders of the company, and I I totally understand how it can get super lonely where you're like in your office by yourself, like <laughs> yeah, I closed my account. <laughs> totally and absolutely agree with that, and I think in any entrepreneur's uh, like month to month sort of mental state, it's going to be there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. There's going to be days when you feel on top of the world. And there's going to be days when you really just feel like things are not working out. You know, they call it the euphoria terror continuum of entrepreneurship. You just bounce up and down from one to the other. So true. And so true. the nice thing is that if you have a, a co-founder, then your peaks and his valleys are not going to be exactly synchronized, which is good. So when you're feeling great, he might not be feeling great and vice versa. So this helps level and balance things out which is super important as well Mm -hmm, absolutely on the flip side of this though or not the flip side i guess but another point to add to being a pro of a co-founder if you look at funding for startups so if you look the unicorn club is a common term in the valley and and in tech circles a unicorn company is a billion dollar is a startup that became a billion dollar company or really really quickly 
uh, valuation at a billion dollars company. The solo founders versus co-founders on out of that unicorn club, there's $39 billion companies. This is on TechCrunch. We can link the article in the description. Four of 39 are solo founders. 35 of 39 are co-founders. You know, that being said, these are hyper-growth companies that have money behind them. And if you're looking to start an agency to make a few million a year, you could be a solo founder and, and not achieve that. But those stats don't lie. Those are, those are really compelling statistics. Mm-hmm. Those are very strong statistics. And, you know, before we got on here and started recording, you were just showing me these. And I was surprised, too, to see how extreme that, uh, that stat was. So the vast mm-hmm. majority of quick to billion dollar valuation companies were co-founders. Um, yeah, I mean, that's interesting to, interesting to know. Absolutely. I think I mean, part of it just might be that when you're playing in the absolute top tier leagues of business, it, your team is going to be one of the most important things. So it perhaps makes sense that most of those companies started off with a team of people rather than an individual, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Well, you know, like not even the top tier. Your, your team is so important in every step of the way. Yes, totally. Um, the other, another, uh, another pro that I'll add is a co-founder can complement your flaws. So the obvious example of this is technical versus operational slash sales. Right. If your co-founder is technical, they build the product. If you're an opera, like so for myself, I'm non-technical, so I can't code. So, but neither can Rahul. So we have a really interesting, interesting work work mm-hmm. dichotomy there. But um, a tech versus tech versus sales co-founder dynamic is very common to see, or sales versus management, or or something along those lines. It's nice to have someone that you don't have to pay a crazy high salary to, because in essence, they're your VP or your C-suite level of operation in that in that sense, in your, your CTO or your COO or whatever it may be, it's nice to have that complement to your flaw because no one's perfect at everything. Definitely. And I think the, the technical co-founder combined with the sales marketing business development co-founder is always a good match and it happens a lot, especially in the tech industry. So in my experience with my first business partner, we were both marketing and sales. So similar to you, Nicole, probably neither of us were really that technical either. Mm-hmm. Um, which was good and bad, but probably if I was to design a business from the ground up, I would design it to have one of the co-founder being the sales marketing sale or sales marketing promotion person, and the other one to be the head of the technical development and building out whatever the technology is. Yeah, we we have a great developer on staff. Peter is just an absolute rock star, so we're really lucky to have him, and uh, he's building some awesome stuff with the product. But, but yeah, having a, having a technical co-founder from the early days is very, very important. Um, mm. you know, so obviously, let's, let's focus in on some takeaways for the audience if they're, if they're thinking about starting a business or you know, they're, they're in that lonely, lonely space where they're looking for a co-founder to, to make the leap. Um, the first takeaway I'll say is be very careful with who you choose. A co-founder may be... You know, more often than not, a co-founder is, is probably a great thing to have. But if it's the wrong co-founder, it is the worst thing to have. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I think that it's hard to go co-founder shopping, too. It's, <laughs> tough, it's tough to sit down and say, I want to start a business and I need a co-founder. Let's go find one. That's a really hard position. And most successful businesses, I don't think they started that way. No, I They don't started so. off with you know, two friends or colleagues sit down for a coffee or lunch and an idea starts building between them. And a story just naturally happens where they say, hey, what if we did this together? Mm-hmm. Hey, think, quick question. How did you link up with your initial co-founder? Um, 
yeah, he just got back from traveling around the world and we had graduated from business school together. So we just got a beer and I started chatting to him about how I was uh, anxious to quit my accounting job. And uh, he was kind of looking for some new opportunities. And we just, yeah, kind of took it from there and started with the hypothetical, hey, well, what if we just started cold calling businesses and selling them websites and digital marketing? And we kind of started doing that and we worked very well together. So then, Mm -hmm. yeah, next thing you know, we were incorporating the business. So I think that's I think that's something key to highlight is you didn't have the idea and then go co-founder shopping. You mm-hmm. you sat down with someone who's like-minded who shared your vision and said, mm-hmm. you know, we should do this together. Mm-hmm. Similar with similar with what happened with Rahul and myself is, you know, I had the idea for a month, kind of validated it. You can, you know, in episode 2 of this podcast, you can go back and listen to the story, but I we sat down and we chatted for for a month before I brought him on board. And it's, you know, it's been great. And in very, very many, in a lot of ways, um, a lot of senses of the word, I would say that I've been extremely lucky with the co-founder that I've brought on because, you know, it is a, it is a leap of faith in a sense. Totally. It's definitely a leap of faith. But then again, entrepreneurship, any way you go about it is going to be a leap of faith. That is so true. it's just about where you want to place your bets. Absolutely. Um, yeah. other, other takeaways to highlight? Um, what would be my takeaway on this? I think that yeah in i mean in general if i was to advise someone i would say generally speaking if you can find a great functional co-work or a co-founder relationship that would be better than to do it on your own but definitely if you're trying definitely going about it alone is better than kind of an average co-founder and one where you don't work well with so if you're lucky enough to have someone that sort of organically is in your life that you that's going to want to start a business with you and be as dedicated to it as you are, then that's awesome. Um, if not, don't go co-founder shopping. Um, unless, so the exception to that is if you have a brilliant idea for a technical product and you're the sales and marketing guy, then you can kind of go reach out to a lot of developers and get one on board. That would be kind of the exception to that mm-hmm. rule, I would say. Yeah. Um, and other than that, um, it does depend on your personality type too. So mm-hmm. whether you're kind of a lone wolf or a team player and how you like to make decisions. So think about that. And again, like, you know, either way can definitely work. And so my biggest takeaway is a great co-founder situation is better than a solo founder, but anything less than a great co-founder, you should just go at it yourself. And and don't take the word great lightly. That is a, that is super important. Like they have to be truly great. Uh, one One final parting, bit that I'll add is uh, past experience also plays a big factor into it. If you've already started companies and you know what you're doing and you're a seasoned operator, it may be easy for you. It may be easier for you to be a solo founder because you've already been through the mill. So it might not be as necessary. You might just hire some, some amazing VP level, VP level people. But if you're just starting out, I, I would recommend, you know, with the, with caution in mind and make sure you're choosing the right person to try and find a co-founder to to kind of start the business. It, it can work either way. There's no right answer. But statistically, uh, having that support there is very, very key. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Perfect. Well, I think that's it for, for now. You know, obviously, I'm going to continue in my co-founder role, and you're going to continue being your solo founder. So maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll have an update in six months. Maybe, maybe you'll have a co-founder. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that technically would be a co-founder anymore. That would no. be a fifty percent equity holder. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I would actually, like yeah, because North Digital is is very much established. You, it's been founded. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, technically, it 
technically North Digital has a co-founder, my original co-founder. Both of our names are on the Articles of Incorporation. Oh, there you go. Then I just I bought him out after he got his new opportunity. So was it a was it a big acquisition? <laughs> yeah, at the time, we were three months in. I think it was fifty percent of the shares for about a one dollar. I love it. You get. A- I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to extrapolate the valuation of my company, although it would be very easy to. That would value North Digital at two dollars uh, three months in. Oh, that's but, amazing. Uh, we've grown since then. So oh, of, co- of course. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. All right. Well, I think that's it for me. Awesome. That's it for me too. Thanks everyone for listening in. Um, if you have any questions, comments, we're going to have our email addresses in the bio. Please don't hesitate to reach out for us. Uh, if you like this type of content, uh, give us a review, give us a rating. It helps encourage us to make more content like this. And until next time, we will see you guys later. Take care, guys. Yeah.